some holy bread. So grab your coffee and your Bible. Good morning, Saints. Welcome to Daybreak. This is where we say hello, we sing a song, and then we have a 20-minute Bible study. Isn't it gonna... funny how later in the week, the good mornings are just so much more exuberant than mm -hmm. they are on Tuesday morning? <laughs> I've noticed. Well, sitting in the midst of doctors, lawyers was a lad. And he answered with great wisdom all the questions. for praying for me yesterday the funeral went very well I believe I, I really I felt the anointing of the Lord with me and I feel like the Lord uh, because of your prayers helped me to say some words that helped the family and so that is so wonderful um, 
probably in this realm of things I do as a pastor and teacher and things like that, I'm not too crazy about funerals, doing funerals. But I am honored to do it, and I thank God for the privilege to do it. It's just kind of a harder thing to do. It's, it's more important that you say things right, I guess is what I'm saying. And I'm one of these guys that I mess up, you know, or I feel like I mess up, say things wrong often. Uh, but if you guys have been part of Daybreak for a long time, you, you, you've come to know that's, that's, that's me. Sometimes I'll say things backwards, but you know what I'm talking about. So thank you for being here. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, Daybreak is a ministry of Church Without Walls. I don't do this probably as much as I should. But that is the website, cwowtn.com. It's an anacronym. Is that right? Anacronym. That's right. Church stands for Church Without Walls Tennessee, which is a movement of people trying to encourage people to think more New Testament age because I believe we're moving into the end days and there could come a time when we need to be ready to serve God when it's hard. If you would like to uh, receive text subscribe text the word subscribe to that number that you see there 855-670-2441 855-670-2441 and about once a week i send out a text and it'll go out and if you get tired of getting them all you have to do is text stop it removes you automatically so if that's an interest to any of you feel free to subscribe and i have no way no way of knowing who is subscribed and who isn't so i don't know who the text goes to and who it doesn't but i wanted to make that available so you know where we're going to be and what's going on all right so we are in revelation chapter 20 let's get our bible study going on and we're starting with verse 7 and I'm going to go ahead and read to verse 10. I'm calling this this morning, and the subtitles is The Final Rebellion. The Final Rebellion. And uh, we will talk about this. Now, just setting the stage again, the beast and the false prophet have been cast in the lake of fire. And now we have talked about, uh, and we will highlight again in a moment, but we've talked about a thousand years, been mentioned six times, and verse 7 is going to be the sixth time that the thousand year period is mentioned and now Satan is loosed out of his prison. What is Satan's prison? Well, it's called the bottomless pit. It's called Tartaro. It is a place where other angels have been bound up awaiting the last day. Angels are bound up there now. Tartaro, the bottomless pit of hell, Hades, in the English, it comes out hell, but there's compartments of hell, and most of you already know that. So anyway, let's read, starting with chapter 20, verse 7. Now, when the thousand years have expired, they begin at a time and they end at a time. When the thousand years have ex expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. 
They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven, from God out of heaven, and devoured them all. I said all. Fire came down from heaven, from God out of heaven, and devoured them. Verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Day and night forever and ever. So maybe the first thing that would pop in your mind would be, why does this happen, and why is it different? Because if we notice before, there is the, the battle of Armageddon. There is uh, Gog and Magog become symbolic, right? But they're also symbolic of the Antichrist as well. The Antichrist that was taken and cast in the lake of fire already. And the, the uh, battle of Armageddon has taken place, and now it's a thousand years later. If you'll notice, when, when you read, you, we see Jesus coming on a horse, fighting the battle. His armies come with him. That is not mentioned here. What is said here is that after the thousand years are over, Satan is going to be loosed for a little while. And when that happens, he's going to go about the earth to deceive once again. And when that happens, people are going to be deceived and they're going to turn against God. But instead of there being a great war that takes place, all that is mentioned is fire comes down out of heaven and devours them, and it's over. And then Satan is cast in the lake of fire. Now, maybe we ask the question, why? Why does this happen? Why does it have to happen? What is going on? Well, I will give it to you as I think. Let me give you my opinions as how I see things like this. I've already shared with you that the millennial reign is the golden age of man. It is my opinion, Brother Scott's opinion. I don't know of anybody else that says this, but I believe the thousand-year period is mentioned six times on purpose because I believe six is the number of man, and I believe it is the age of man. Let me explain. When God created Adam and Eve, we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and he commands them, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Now, subduing the earth is an interesting way for God to say or give a commission to Adam and Eve. It's, it's interesting. Subdue the earth. Have authority. Have dominion over the fish, over the animals, over... You, you have authority over all of it. In other words, the creation of Adam and Eve... They were created to bring the earth under their authority to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. You read it. It says multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, which means bring it under your authority, under your control. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful, beautiful scriptures. However, Satan comes along, and you know the story. He tempts Eve first, and through Eve, through the woman... So he doesn't go straight to the man. He goes through the woman to get to the man. Now, the Apostle Paul uses this. This is one of the reasons where 
the Apostle Paul says this because she was the one that was deceived first, that's why the Apostle Paul said, I suffer a woman not to teach or to usurp authority over the man. And it was because she was deceived first. But now then God went through the woman and then he brought the man down. Now, Adam, the Apostle Paul teaches us, was not deceived. But yet he fell. What does that say to me? Well, that says to me, in my opinion, that Satan, um, that Satan, excuse me, that Adam chose rather to die with Eve than to live without her. Now, this is a beautiful love story. And God then determines to take a bride for himself. And on the cross, what we see with Jesus, who is, by the way, the second Adam, the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, I wrote it somewhere, 45, 15, 45, the last Adam, the second Adam, the final Adam, the ultimate Adam, the replacement Adam. That's who Jesus is. He's the one who comes who didn't fall, who was tempted in every way, yet without sin. So now he, ha he has the right now to rule over the earth as the son of man. I hope this is making sense. So during the millennial reign, the return of the king has come. The last Adam has come. What's going to happen during the millennial reign? Well, what was supposed to happen before? And we're going back to the Garden of Eden. We're going back to eternity. But it seems to be that we enter into the age more like between the Garden of Eden and the days of Noah, to where men's life are, is extended. And I had you read Isaiah 65. Remember, and many of you read that. Isaiah 65, 11 and going forward. What did you read in there? Well, you read some very interesting things, and we talked about them. So during this golden age of man, the nature of animals have changed. Lions eat straw now, just like the ox does. Uh, the wolf and the lamb eat together now. The wolf is not eating the lamb anymore. The wolf is eating with the lamb now. It's a golden age. It says that there will not be an infant that only lives a few days. What does this mean? There's no more miscarriages. There's no more stillbirths. There's no more babies who just live a few days they will fulfill their days and so we enter into an age where adam was supposed to subdue the earth and bring it under control remember not only were there fallen angels who in the old testament are called sons of god who are supposed to be watching over. Not only had they fallen, now Adam has fell as well. So mankind has become part of the fallen realm. Yet God brings redemption to mankind. And there's coming a day when God will replace the principalities and powers that are still in place even to this time. He will replace them with the church, the saints of God, will rule the world. And so the time of the millennial reign, if you can receive it, is a time when immortals rule over mortals. And there's still births. At least the scripture seems to say there's birth. And there's no early deaths. There's no sicknesses. And 
before we before they call, God will hear. And so life expectancy has moved. Now, who enters into the millennial reign? Well, specifically in Zechariah chapter 14, we're told that all that is left of the nations that came against Jerusalem to battle will go up from year to year to worship the king in Jerusalem and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So we're told in Zechariah chapter 14, read it, after the return of the Lord, that nations are going to go up every year, probably sending delegations, but will go to worship the king to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So that's one of the feasts that's going to continue during the millennial reign. Amen? Amen. It's going to continue according to the Lord. And so I think that's what Jesus is talking about in the judgment of the nations in Matthew 25. When he gathers all the nations before him and he separates them, sheep from the goats, and they're judged according to how they treated these my brothers. That's how they're judged. Then they enter into a kingdom. But during this time, these people will live in the golden age of mankind. That is to say, Jesus is ruling from Jerusalem. His kings and priests are ruling around the world, keeping order. There's no sicknesses. There's no troubles. The healing is going forth by the agents of the king. His kingdom and his rule is bringing peace to the earth for a thousand years. So the people that are born during this time, they live in total peace. They have no chance to rebel. They've not been tempted. Does that make sense? There's no temptation. You see, even today, there's a difference in temptation than it is. You know, if a man lives, you know, if a person lives out in a community or in a desert or a forest, and he doesn't have these things, and he doesn't have a computer, you know, and nobody much is around him, there's a lot less temptation for him, isn't there? Okay? Well, in the millennial reign, there's not going to be a temptation. People are going to obey the Lord. It is the iron rule, according to scriptures, he will rule the nations with what? The rod of iron. In other words, everybody's going to obey the king. There's not going to be a choice, and, and there's going to be peace. However, people are born during this time that's going to be like Adam and Eve, and they're going to be living in a time to where everything is good, but there's really no chance to rebel. Now, this is the only thing that makes sense to me. You say, Brother Scott, why in the world is Satan loosed out of his prison? And as far as I can tell, and every scholar that I have looked at or asked the question or or studied on that very same question, everybody says the same thing. It is the final rebellion. It is the chance. Now he gets to go just like he did to Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, and now he's going to be loosed out of his prison. You say, what? Don't they have the Bible? Think about it. A thousand years has went by. What happens after a period of time? Books become archaic. You're living in this beautiful reign of Christ, and there's pe people will not know, and then the tempter goes out for one last deception to deceive the world, and people will choose one last time. This is the end of the millennium. Now, who's ruling over them is the church, and those who are part of the church have already made their choice. 
That's who the Christians are. That's who born-again Christians are. The disciples of the Lord that are ruling over the world in this time, they've already made their choice. They're the holy ones that are ruling over the earth, according to the apostle Paul. Judging angels, judging the nations, the world will be judged by you. And that's why he's saying, guys, you need to mature and grow up. And so we, we read in this passage that once this thousand years is over, and we're not told much, only that the same one that tempted Adam and Eve is going to be loosed out of his prison and given a chance to go around the world and say, okay, do you obey the king? Or do you just obey the king because you have to? And it says, and he gathered them together, the four corners, and there is one final attempt of a battle. Now notice, it says in verse 8, gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. Now you would imagine, how would he find that many people, Brother Charles, that would turn back around? Isn't that interesting? It is to me. And they go up and they surround the camp of the saints and the beloved city. Now notice this, the camp of the saints and the beloved city. Huh? So the rebellion takes place around the world the way I see it. And it's like there's an uprising. Okay, good. Good. But when after that happens, because uh, remember, remember, God's people are like Elijah at this time. They can call down fire out of heaven if they need to. And fire comes down out of heaven and devours them all. And then it is over. Then we're going to enter into what's called the eternal state. And it says the devil that deceived them, verse 10, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. They've already been there for a thousand years. But they're going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, sometimes people say, well, the lake of fire... This is very popular, and it's growing more and more popular in our age. In 2023, now, this is very popular. It's, it's the doctrine of annihilationism. Have you ever heard it? You ever heard it? That they're cast in the lake of fire, and it's over. It's done. That's not what this says. This says they're cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the first beast and false prophet are. They were not annihilated. They're still there. You see that? They're still there. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I don't see no annihilation. I don't see no disappearing. I don't see it being over. At least, I don't see it. you got to twist the scripture if you want to see that, in my opinion, right? Forever and ever is a long time. Yeah, what, is, what do you think? What do you think forever and ever means, Brother Charles? Infinity. <laughs> forever and ever has got to mean forever and ever. At least... You know. Well, to me, <laughs> it's like when I grew up not really believing in a literal hell. Right, because you grew up Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. yeah. Not, and I didn't believe in a literal hell. Uh, but as I got around people who saw the scripture differently, um, kind of a... <laughs> Kind of a fear gripped my heart that maybe, you know, what if I was wrong? What if you were wrong, what right? What if there's this much chance that it's real, you know, it, it, just the tiniest chance that it was right. real, 
made me rethink my whole theology and get down on my <laughs> knees and beg God to have mercy on me. Yeah. And and you know I think sometimes the uh, always the scripture bears out that the fear of the Lord is the beginning. Yes, of Amen, 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 and I Amen. That's the truth, you know. That is that is so true. So, thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His grace, and thank God that you are part of the first resurrection. And if you're listening to this broadcast today, and you say, "I'm not sure if I'm part of the first resurrection," I'm going to be part of the first resurrection. Be sure today. Amen. You will search for Him, and you will find Him when you search for Him with all of your heart we wrote a song and wrote an album the whole album's called sweet surrender a total surrender to the lord and you will know because his spirit will bear witness with your spirit and he will give you peace in your heart and you will know you will know when you seek him till you know can i get an amen to that amen seek him till you know don't let nobody else tell you you go to the lord until he reveals to you by his Holy Spirit and bears witness with your spirit that you are okay with God now. Amen? Amen. And outside of that, don't trust anybody else or anything else. Amen. Get your answer from the Lord. I promise he will answer you. He will answer you. All right? All right, I love you. God bless you. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I love you, saints. Have a great, great, great blessed day. Bye.